I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company, Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the Shameless Sex Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 50% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. This episode, by the way, is with a repeat guest, Dr. Allison Ash. Ash. Oh, my gosh, I can't talk today. Dr. Allison Ash has been on our show three times. So this is her fourth time on our show. And this time she's talking about fantasies, all about fantasies, normalizing fantasies, how to bring more fantasies into your life, maybe for yourself or into partner play. So uh, anyways, Dr. Allison Nash, amazing, amazing, amazing guest. And I want to do a little trigger warning for you all because we talk about fantasies here and some of them um, might be triggering to you because they might involve some conversations around maybe say incest or some other things. So if you feel like you are in a delicate place and that those conversations might be triggering, maybe wait to listen to this episode or be prepared to um, take care of yourself if something challenging happens, maybe some deep breaths, etc. But we just wanted to put that out there. It's totally normal and okay to feel triggered by these conversations. um, But we don't want you to feel blindsided when it happens. So um, but really interesting conversation. I love her. She's amazing, amazing educator and speaker. This is why she's been on the show so many times. She has a lot of incredible offerings and tools and advice and wisdom. And she's just a wonderful guest. Yeah, and her episode, How to Eat Pussy Like a Champ, is still our number one episode. Yeah, it's a good one. And we one. recorded that like three years ago. And still now, number one. When we could be in person. And she teaches that class and a lot of other courses. She'll talk about this later in the episode, but uh, she has a lot of wonderful online offerings that you can um, dive into right now should you want to learn more. So um, with that, Chip Chop, I think you have something you want to read us. I want to read a testimonial titled, You Changed My Life. From a 24-year-old and a vulva owner who identifies as female, I grew up in a very conservative church and was even given a purity ring, in quotation marks, on my 13th birthday. For a long time, I pledged myself to wait until I was married to have sex, but this was a decision made only out of shame. When I came across your podcast, all I could think was shameless sex? That's what I want to be having. After binging your podcast. Binging. But oh, b- <laughs> I was like, what? B- binging. Oops. It actually is. It, what, yeah, it is binging. Binging is. <laughs> binging. I was like, is binging a new thing that oh I need to learn God. about? What is binging? I don't know. I want to try that. <laughs> After binging your podcast and with the help of a therapist, I have a much healthier relationship with sex and I have begun a masturbation practice. Thank you so much for offering sex education and shining light on a part of me that I was told needed to be hidden away from my whole life. Getting in touch with my sexuality has made me feel so much more confident and changed me for the better. Yay! We love hearing that purity ring, huh? Wow. And binging, wow. And binging. <laughs> Did you bing with that purity ring? Is that what happens when you get a purity ring? Is you go bing? Uh, 
home and I don't know. What is a pure? Oh, a purity it's ring. That one where you're like promising to stay pure until marriage, and they do it for young people such as thirteen year olds. Oh. It's like a whole. Isn't I think there's like a whole ceremony around it or something like that. I can't say I know a lot about it. Um, it's like the conservative church way of having a bat mitzvah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but save yourself because otherwise you're a sinner, yeah. a dirty sinner. And this person, this this twenty um, four year old vulva owner. owner who identifies as female, this woman um, said that she did, didn't feel in alignment with her, and she would only make that decision out of shame. And look at her now; she's she's baiting over there. She's discovering her body and her pleasure, and feels fucking amazing so yeah thank you she's having shameless sex oh yeah you see look you're doing it you're doing it and that's exactly why we do what we do so thank you listener um testimonials like this are what really keeps us alive and vibrating over here not with sex toys well we vibrate over here with sex toys too (laughs) yes we do we do that on our own uh yeah so keep keep writing these wonderful things and for uh listeners out there who have not done so you can go to itunes and write a review just like this this was actually in our email um but for this listener and anyone else who wants to help us out go on itunes give us five stars and write a review such as this and guess what it makes us more accessible to the entire world we are global we're all over the fucking world we're everywhere and we're free and we're free too and we're free because of folks like OMGS. Yeah, OMGS. is another way to improve your sexuality. Totally. It's an amazing way to improve your sexuality. So OMGS, we absolutely love OMGS and we have for years. Um, OMGS.com slash shameless. That's where you go check it out. You get 10% off. And what it is is an online forum, database, program, etc., where it has these different seasons. Season one is all about external vulva pleasure and techniques and how you can enhance your orgasm or have orgasm or more pleasure. Season two is all about internal stimulation and pleasure for vulvas. And it's for folks who want to learn more techniques. Maybe you're already having amazing orgasms. You want to have bigger, better orgasms. Or maybe you've never had an orgasm. Or maybe you're a vulva admirer and you want to learn how to pleasure. Well, OMGS is for everyone. So whether you're a penis owner, a vulva owner, you're a couple, you're not in a couple, you're single, you're uh, whatever you're into, uh, they have st- it's studies of mm-hmm. 20,000 women ages 18 to 95, and they're gonna, going to come out with season three soon. So Ooh, stay sex tuned. toys, right? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Go check it out. OMG, OMGS.com slash shameless, and you get 10% off. And it just might change your life, just like it has for thousands of other people. I think it's time for a sex question. Let's do it. You don't know what this one is yet, or have you read it? No, I didn't read it yet. Surprise. Oh, okay, that's surprise in French if you didn't know. I'm bilingual. Okay, so. I have been with my boyfriend for seven months and he has a female best friend who is bi and is also in a relationship. I have been okay with their relationship with their relationship as I don't believe the sex of the person makes a difference in friendship. And I get along with her too. But I recently found out that they slept together w- once about four years ago. Even though it was when they were drunk and they immediately regretted it, I now feel jealous when he spends time with her. Do you have any advice on how to deal with this, please? Ooh, jealousy. Okay, so to recap, so this person has a their partner, their boyfriend, boyfriend has a friend, another woman who is bi and is in a relationship, and this person has been fine with their boyfriend, have, being friends with this other person until they found out they slept together way before their relationship. Uh, okay, um, and you, now they feel jealousy. Now knowing that there's a sexual history, there's some jealousy and insecurity there. So they said that they immediately regretted it. And now they're just friends. Um, and so they're they're stating we don't have attraction to each other. It was a one time thing. We are just friends. But now because their genitals touched, it's changed things, which I, I want to say I want to normalize this writers, the listeners experience. A lot of people have felt this before. Oh, now that you've had sex, or you had sex in the past or this is an ex or whatever, because sex has happened. Now I'm insecure or jealous. But when sex hasn't happened, I'm not. 
which I think if we take a macro view on that, and you look at it kind of from an outside perspective, just because genitals touch, that changes things. Interesting, because what if people just, like, they were attracted and they flirted, you know, four years ago and they almost had sex, but they didn't. Would that make a difference? Or, you know, is it is it just the genitals touching? And I, I think we just kind of get a little fixated on that being something really monumental and meaning something when it sounds like they're saying it didn't mean anything, actually. But unless you don't trust them, that's the, my question is, do you trust your partner? Do you trust your partner's friend? Uh, and if you do, then this is probably your more internal work to do to to kind of surrender to that trust. And what might help you if you haven't done this is to just speak to your insecurities. And you're not telling them to do anything different. You can't be friends. I'm not cool with this because that's controlling. Um, but you can say, hey, you know, God, this, this is hard for me. But for some reason, now that I know that you had sex, I'm feeling this like insecurity and it's I'm, I'm, I know that it's, you know, I trust you and I, and I believe you when you say that uh, you immediately regretted it and you're just friends. And yeah, I still feel this thing. I just want to share that with you to out it to maybe take away some of the pressure or, or here's a request. If you, when you guys hang out, maybe you can give me some more words of affirmation or maybe the three of us could spend more time together or, or she and I can spend more time together, something to maybe just heal that a little bit. I don't know. What do you think, Chip? I think that's valid. That's really good advice. And the thing about this timing wise, they've been together for seven months and it sounds like the, um, the they slept together once four years ago and they were there was alcohol involved and there's regret. So I'm thinking, obviously, four years is quite a long time. They remain friends. They probably had a discussion about it and we're like, that would never work. We don't want to destroy our friendship or we want to just keep it as friends. So the jealousy is completely normal yeah. because you'd be like, oh, my God, why? what if they it rekindle or you just your brain starts telling you stories. And so I, I would say it sounds like the, that it's well in the past and a conversation would be uh, helpful yeah. just for security purposes, although nothing can ever be 100 percent secure. So you just have to sort of trust, as you were saying, and build that trust. And seven months is a new relationship. So yeah, that can new. take time. And you found out about this. So I'm hoping you found out by there was honesty or from your boyfriend or if you found out accidentally somehow. Yeah, like, how did you find out? Right. <laughs> was it like a, oh, surprise? Which that might take away some trust, right? They've right. been friends. For seven months, you've known about this and you just found out. So that might be like, whoa, now do I trust you? Why did you take so long to tell me? And maybe it's because they were afraid that this exact thing would happen. Um, but we do find, honestly, when we hold in information like that, it usually bites us or kicks us in the ass later. We're like, fuck, I should have said that before. Right. Well, we live in Santa Cruz and everyone knows everyone uh, slept with everyone. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I, I've had to uh, come to realizations about living in a small town and just understanding that there's one or two degrees of separation between everyone, including yeah. probably like me and your grandpa. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's not alive anymore. I know. I know. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I live on a property that my ex-boyfriend owns. He was my first love. We were together from age 18 to 22. He owns a property. He lives in the main house. I've lived with him during other relationships as just as friends. And my partners all not, I can't say all of them, but some of them were uncomfortable with it. Like, this is so weird. This is not normal. And then some of them just saw what we really were. We're like brother and sister now. It's very, very different and, and it took time and they and partners they, they trust me and they right. trust him as their friend too and um but you know that there's sort of conversations were had you know it wasn't just this light thing oh yeah we slept together once or we dated once but it's cool you're fine right you know so maybe just a little more diving into that um but yes you were normal and um 
Yeah. It's um, a good question. Good yeah. Yeah. It's good advice. I think a lot of people can good relate job. at least at some point in their lives. Well, you're bound to unless you're in some very monogamous relationship for many, many, many years. And yeah. even then, nothing is forever. I think the people secure. that we once were intimate with or in a relationship with, sh- as long as it ended in a way that was you know loving or something, um, they they can be important people in our lives. It doesn't mean that that relationship has to be over. So I think it's special when we can hold on to those things. Maybe you need a little break in between, especially if there's still feelings and things. But at any rate, that's not what you're asking. So I won't talk too much about that. But um, yes, good luck to you. And thank you for writing in. And we love you, listener. Are you ready for a bio? Yeah, give me a bio. Dr. Allison Ash is a sex and intimacy coach and educator, lecturer at Stanford University, author and founder of TurnOn.Love. As a sociologist with a PhD from Stanford, Allie has a comprehensive understanding of complex societal challenges that often lead to unsatisfying and disempowering sexual experiences. Allie designs workshops, courses, and retreats and offers individuals and couples coaching to give others the tools to discover their desires and confidently pursue them. She invites you to turn on pleasure, intimacy, and love at turnon.love. But first... While it might be getting cold outside, you can continue to keep the bedroom nice and hot with Dipsy. If you're looking to heat things up, there's a story waiting just for you. Dipsy is an app full of sexy audio stories, and now they even have brand new written stories to arouse your senses. No matter who you're into or what turns you on, Dipsy helps you tap into your eroticism anytime, anywhere. I recently listened to Leather and Lace, featuring a wild threesome hookup right before my partner came over, and I was so turned on, I couldn't keep my hands off of him. There are hundreds of stories to choose from, and they release new content every week, so there's always something more to explore. Dipsy also offers wellness sessions to help you wind down, as well as sleep sessions to help you drift off. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com shameless. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash shameless. Dipsystories.com slash shameless. Go check it out. All right. It's interview time. All right, everyone. Guess what time it is. It is interview time. And we are here with return guest, Dr. Allison Ash. And this is Allison's fourth time on our show. And to this day... Our number one episode is How to Eat Pussy Like a Champ, which was by Dr. Allison Ash. And we recorded that, what, three years ago? Maybe. And it still is number one. Like, nothing will top that. Although I heard you might have something about how to do the same thing with a dick coming out someday soon. So just stay tuned, everyone, because that will be here at some point. Um, but today we're here, we are here with Dr. Allison Ash. We love her, and we're so happy to have her back. And we're here to talk about fantasies and even though you all heard the intro and heard a little bit about allison in the bio dr allison ash by the way um we will start with the same prompt as we always do can you please tell us how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality sure yeah well i grew up in a family where there wasn't much intimacy modeled for me or um i think like most 
folks. It wasn't taught well in my family structure or, or in my school system. And so I think, uh, like many of us, I bumbled around and made countless mistakes and felt like a failure and felt really alone and um, or unsatisfied sexually or unable to make relationships work. And I think it just required a whole lot of self-growth work and commitment to learning some of the skills that I didn't learn as a kid. And then I think one of the things that's so powerful about going through that journey is, you know, I think when you see the water that everybody's swimming in, that folks who are raised with some of these intimacy skills just don't see because it's so innate for them. I think when you when you have to learn it piece by piece, you get really good at explaining it to other people in a way that really de-shamifies the process because it's you can normalize it because you've been there. And so I think for me, getting to do this work is about offering other people the insights from my own personal experiences and, of course, from all the trainings that I've done so that they can have the kinds of sexual interactions and romantic relationships that they want because they know how much it hurts to not be able to have them or to sustain them. Yeah, I've taken a lot away from every one of the podcasts we've recorded with you. I still use some of the techniques you've taught Ooh. with the bedroom, the tap technique. Instead <laughs> of if you're not good at speaking to what you want in the bedroom, you can use the the, the three taps oh. means this or and and I still use that. And I've actually told other folks out there, friends that have asked me uh, about those techniques. And this is why I'm excited to talk to you about fantasies because. Ooh. We've talked a little bit about it on the show before and not in this way. So let's talk about fantasies with you, Dr. Allison. Uh, and we all have them. I don't want to say a, a stereotypical like, oh, we all have fantasies. From time to time, though, everyone does, whether it's maybe a, uh, an imaginary friend <laughs> fantasy where you're like, this is my imaginary friend. Like not friend. sexual, just like, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, but you also have sexual fantasies. which Like is sometimes just, I have sex with my imaginary friend. Maybe. <laughs> that was Amy being an only child, having, eating cat food and having her sex with her imaginary friend. <laughs> anyway, my question. That's probably true. <laughs> no shame in that. So, <laughs> okay, my question here, though, is what, what do you think are the benefits of embracing fantasies? Yeah, well, and I, I guess I'll just say that there are some people out there that feel like it's very hard to have sexual fantasies. And what I like to tell them is, have you ever thought what you would do with a million dollars? or what your ideal date would be, or your favorite vacation. And to help you realize that, as you said, you can fantasize in other arenas, and that can make it feel a little bit more accessible sexually. And I think that there are so many reasons why it can be beneficial to fantasize. It's a wonderful place to start to explore your desires with utter permission. I really like to emphasize the mental liberation component of fantasizing, how important it is to realize that nothing is bad or wrong once it's in your mind, like and it stays in your mind, that you have the right to think about whatever you want to think, and that you can have fantasies that you never want to have happen in real life, and fantasies you never want to share with anybody, and that's totally okay. We'll talk about how to share them if and when you want to, but just to realize that there is this space in your mind that you can go to to explore and try on things without having to worry about anybody else's reaction or whether or not it's ethically or morally okay because you're not harming anybody because it's just in your mind. Mm. I love that. I love that permission giving, the normalizing. And so I'm going to talk about myself for a minute, the only child. So I remember being 10-ish 
watching Melrose Place, I think, uh, is what inspired this. We've talked about this before. Yeah, and I saw a rape scene. And I had never been raped. I had never experienced any form of uh, molestation or non-consensual act of sexual violence. Later on in life, I did experience like a lot of compliance acts and various things that are a little funky. But um, at that point, I had not. And I saw this scene. I'm like 10. Really turned on by it. And... I remember actually I had the, we had this big backyard at my house and I would walk around in circles in the yard and I know that sounds crazy but I, you know I was just telling stories in my head though about and it it was about rape fantasies you know and and I didn't you know fully and it wasn't like you know this idea of like I really want this to happen we'll talk about that later about the difference between like like you said that but you know like role play versus fantasies and like I want this to happen or is this just for my mind um, but you know that, and I didn't shame myself then. I was like, this is really hot. And then later I remember some partners being like, what the fuck? That's some crazy shit. You want to be raped? Like, no, this is my fantasy anyway. So, which brings me to my question. What are some of the most common fantasies that you hear of that people fantasize about? Yeah. So, um, Justin LaMiller came out with some research that talked about seven different categories of fantasies that I think is really helpful to reference because it's so normalizing when you can see how many fan and there have been research out there that has been done that shows that just the really wide breadth of types of fantasies. And so even these seven categories, I don't want that to feel limiting, but common categories are partner, multi-partner sex, um, a power control, rough sex. So that could be any kind of BDSM, uh, novelty, adventure, variety. We always like a sense of newness or feeling like we have that sense of excitement. Um, non-monogamy, getting to explore extramaritally, um, taboo and forbidden sex. So maybe Ooh. like places you shouldn't be having it or ways that you shouldn't be doing it. Um, passion and romance, like this is just a very general and wonderful like um, um, category of fantasies I think people often overlook when they're going to more of the hardcore stuff. And then this category that I think is really interesting called erotic flexibility. And this might mean exploring sex with folks of different genders or sexual orientations that you might be used to, or maybe exploring your own, your own gender identity and expression. And so again, you can see how fantasies are a wonderful place for you to try on some of these things with some sense of safety and permission. Mm. So, so, so there's so and then within those categories it's like infinite right like That's all right. the things that could possibly be in there so so what would you put the rape fantasy ones i was more like the rough sex power yeah. power yeah, and control dynamic or taboo thing. even yeah, yeah. right taboo as well. yeah taboo. Right. right what right. Was, tell me one of your fantasies chip so I was just thinking about this. Uh, I used to do this taxi cab porn thing <laughs> oh, yeah, for a long time where I was watching porn. taxi cab. And I will say <laughs> I have this thing, this power play dynamic thing that's been really consistent throughout my life where it's positions of power that get me off. But are I'm you empowered, though? No, no, oh. I am not empowered. You're the submissive one. I'm the submissive one. So it's sort of the boss and the the employee or the teacher and the student. Ooh. Or most recently, which this you know this could be triggering for some people, but this is a fantasy and this is shameless sex. So the step fantasy, where it's like the stepmom with this ah. with the step hope this 18 year old step person, um, stepchild, usually a penis owner. And so yeah, that's <laughs> it. So. 
And now the show is over, everyone. So now you know. No, no, that's no, good. But I love hearing the variety of it. Yeah. I have a little bit of it's like gives me a little anxiety when I actually speak to it out loud. But it's something that I would never, ever do in my life. But I had a lot of. I want to say traumatic experiences with step parents in my life. And I think that it's a way for me to almost take the power back by having these fantasies now. So that's how I look at it. And that's that's, why I allow myself to. That's a good question though. So what do you think about that as being a way that people take power back? Yeah, I think that a lot of fantasies are about resolving challenging emotions or challenging situations that we can't always navigate in real life in the way that we might want. Um, And so these could be challenging situations that we're navigating currently or oftentimes challenging situations from being a kid. For example, if you had a very competitive relationship with your sibling where you felt like you could never compete and you were never enough and you were never chosen, it might be that you have fantasies around being very desired and sought after and people waiting in line to be able to pleasure you. And, you know, like you could see where that would be a very hot kind of fantasy. I think that for folks who have a hard time experiencing pleasure or, 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 you know, exploring orgasm or those kinds of things, things like orgasm denial or forced pleasure could be really hot. I think a lot of BDSM, a lot of fantasies in general is about how can I reconstruct something that was maybe out of my control in a way where it's now in my control where I can change it and direct it and stop it when I want to stop it. That's that part of that safety piece of being able to explore something where you don't have to worry about somebody else taking over. I like this. And this is, I, I, I maybe am more advanced than I thought in the world of fantasy at this part. But so what about the people who fantasize about someone other than their partner? And I am guilty of this. And I want to see there's not guilt. guilty. There's no guilt in that. It's just, I'm saying I am a participant in, in feeling, uh, sometimes I feel bad. I feel guilt. I mean, that's me. It's my own experience uh-huh. when I'm like, Oh, I'm not fantasizing about my partner. So the question here is advice for these folks, such as myself or other people out there that aren't fantasizing about the, someone that they're, they're partnered with or partners that they have. Uh, and if they're doing this while having sex with them is this something that they should take a look at or um, is this something that's okay? Can you kind of just open up and, and let us know more insight to this? Is April yeah. guilty? Am I guilty as charged? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I do want to normalize this because it is pretty common. And what I can say is that uh, I don't want to assign a value judgment of right or wrong. What I do want to name is that if you're looking to feel intimacy and connection with your partner – And if fantasizing about other people is getting in the way of that, maybe because you feel guilty or maybe because you feel not present with them, then I would think about maybe trying one of two tactics. On one hand, you could let yourself fantasize about that hot pool boy and then come back to your partner. And you're kind of just like swinging between the two. So letting yourself fantasize for a little bit and then noticing your partner's skin and body and responsiveness and how they're touching you and the way that they're sounding and really coming back to the present moment and then letting yourself fantasize a little bit more. So that's Mm. one idea. The second, and this is only probably applicable to some relationships where there's this kind of openness and we could talk about maybe how to get there. But one thing that you could do is share this with your partner and bring them in on it. 
So maybe that might mean like both of you talking about how hot it is, or maybe it's you now constructing a threesome fantasy where your partner is involved or, um, and that could be something that you share with them or just something that you're doing in your own mind. And this could be in a way that just is either feeling good in integrity with your own self so that you can kind of quiet some of that guilt, or it could be done in a way where you could share it with them so that it's a new form of intimacy and bonding that you could have with each other. Mm, I love all these options. And um, yeah, I, I think that they're, I, I've, at least I've talked to a lot of folks that have shame about that. Like, there's something wrong with me, especially with the whole idea that like we should all be monogamous forever and never have desire for anyone else and that, that whole bullshit. And as I say that, I'm not going to um, say that everyone should be non-monogamous, but I, like I think what Dr. Allison Ash is saying is what's in our minds is ours and it doesn't make anything wrong with us and we can fantasize about whatever we want. And what I'm hearing you say is that if it, creates a disconnect, then maybe that's something to work with. But if it's helping you to connect and have great sex and get off, then fucking have a great time with that. So what about for folks, though, because I've seen this for some folks where if you ask them, so or I've I've worked with clients before, too. Oh, by the way, as I say this, I have friends that have worked with you, by the way, and they speak so highly of you. So as I speak about myself working with people, I just have I have multiple friends that work with you or have in the past and you've changed their lives. I want to say every time that she's on a show with us, I overshare information that I normally (laughs) wouldn't. I'm like, I just want to tell you skill. I do. I'm like, oh, and then? So the folks, though, who say, um, so like a partner is like, hey, what are your fantasies? And they're like, I don't really know. Or I don't really have fantasies. Or I don't know, like maybe it's just sex in a shower. And that's about it. And they're like, well, that's it. Like, what about, what else? What are your tips for those folks and how they can maybe tap more into their own fantasy game? Not just to please a partner, not just like, oh, my partner wants me to have fantasies, so I'm going to create them. But how they can, maybe there's like a block or something and how they can tap deeper into that part of themselves. Sure. Yeah. I think that one thing that's important is drawing some inspiration we all reference material from either our own personal experiences or different forms of of erotica that we've been exposed to, to help us fantasize. And so I think that consuming erotica, particularly non-visual forms of erotica, so that might be audio porn, that could be uh, erotica being read out loud, sounds of people having sex or masturbating. Um, It could be reading erotic short stories. If you want to send me a message through my website at turnon.love, I have a list of erotica resources that I have collected that I think are really wonderful um, that are uh, queer or feminist or or BDSM, all sorts of different genres, but that are non-visual. And I think that this is really helpful because when it's non-visual, your brain starts to fill in the gaps. It's already starting to participate in the erotica that you are consuming. And then what I would suggest that you do is that you start to know what are the things that turn you on? What are the themes that really do it for you? As well as what turns you off? And so I really recommend separating your erotica exploration sessions from your I just want to get off sessions. Because when you're exploring erotica, you're going to find a lot of things you don't like. And that's actually useful information, but it might not help you get off, right? And so separating the two can be helpful. And then always, I I suggest, I'm a little bit of a data nerd and very organized, but I always like to 
save the links or the, the, the authors or the, the locations of the erotica that I like so that when I do want to just get off, I can go straight to a favorite. But also because when you find something that was well-produced, always go down the rabbit hole of what else have they created or who else have they collaborated with. And that's a wonderful way of making your way through the immense amount of erotica that is out there to start to just get your creative juices going a little bit more. Uh, The other thing that I'll just say real quick is I think creating that sense of safety with your partner is also really important. Um, And so that might look like creating permission to talk about things and not having to do them in real life. It can look like talking about things and promising not to yuck each other's yums, meaning not to shame what the other person is into, even if you're not into it yourself. Love Um, that term. And and also uh, going slowly, like thinking about scaffolding. So if I have my most intense fantasy, maybe I'm not going to share that one right away. Maybe I might share something like a shower scene that might be a little bit more tame and the other person might think is a little bit you know, pathetic or not, not, not juicy enough, but that's a stepping stone into sharing something else. And so celebrating and, uh, always kind of honoring the vulnerability of sharing something is a helpful way of then encouraging something that might be a little edgier. So doing kind of setting the scene for someone that's maybe less apt in sharing their fantasies with a lover or a partner. Let's speak to someone that maybe there's more shy or they have shame in their fantasies. What do you, because you've already listed some wonderful ways to drop in and, and help help your partner understand your fantasies for those folks though, that maybe struggle because you do have great techniques with other, other things we've talked about, the tapping effect. Uh, Is there anything that people could do? Maybe just a, a, a couple of, 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 better ways to share with lovers of uh, some fantasies, even if there's maybe fantasies that you're, you, you're terrified they're going to reject or shame you for. Yes. Well, the first thing that I would suggest is to think about how the fantasy makes you feel because there's always an emotional element to fantasies, right? Maybe your fantasy has you feel really desired or maybe it has you feel a little naughty or precious, or uh, used, or worshipped, or ravished, or devoured, or like you don't have to worry about anything, or totally competent, or whatever it is, right? There could be a huge laundry list of ways that your fantasy helps you feel. And I think that if you start with the emotion, it's much easier to have empathy come online, which creates safety, creates a sense of acceptance and belonging, And then the reality is, is that if you know, okay, I want to feel, let's go with a rape fantasy. I want to feel like you want me so badly, you can't hold back. And I want to feel like, um, that I don't have to feel guilty or bad for having naughty sex with you because it's not my fault. Okay. So those are the emotions that, that are at the core of the fantasy. So even if I don't want to share a rape fantasy with you, because I'm really worried that you're going to be judgy or put off or whatever else it might be, I can say, okay, I have some fantasies. And I think the way that I really want to feel my fantasy is like this. And then just see how they respond and see if you can get a sense of like, okay, if they're into that, that's hot. Well, maybe then you two could talk about what are some ways that you could create that feeling together? So you're already starting to fantasize jointly rather than you having to share something that feels really vulnerable and personal. 
And then as you two start talking about fantasies together and you're getting a sense of the ways in which they're open and welcoming and maybe contributing and having their own things that they think are hot, it can actually then make it feel easier to start to share some of your edgier fantasies. And I think that it's completely okay to set the scene around what you want to feel safe to share. So reminding them that there's no obligation, but also asking them how you want them to respond. It would feel so good to me if you could tell me that you think it's hot, that I think it's hot, even if you don't want to do it. Hmm. And it would be so helpful for me if you could celebrate me sharing this for you with you, even if you don't want to do it because it's scary. And really, ultimately, what I want is just to have this experience of feeling safe and close enough to you that I can tell you anything and that you're not going to judge me for it. Okay, time for a quick break. This podcast was made possible by Uberloop. It's a luxurious silicone lubricant that enhances sex and intimacy. We receive emails from listeners who have tried Uberloop, and the feedback is unanimous. We never knew lube could be this good. It's also less likely to throw off the pH than most other lubes, and there are thousands of doctors recommending Uberloop to their patients, whether they want to make their hot sex even hotter or for folks experiencing dryness. Uberlube is without a doubt my favorite lube. It has no flavor, no scent, and feels absolutely amazing on my body. And it isn't just for sex. I use it to tame my hair frizzies, to prevent chafing, and I even put some in my mouth before an oral sex session. Totally ups my blowjob game. Oh, and the bottle, it's beautiful. It looks like a cosmetic product. So I just leave it out on my nightstand totally shamelessly. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off plus free shipping. Again, that's uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is free to you because of another one of our amazing sponsors like Satisfier. Looking for the perfect gift for your partner or even your friends this year? Well, look no further and give the gift of pleasure with Satisfier's pleasure devices. Satisfier makes beautiful vibrators and air pulse stimulators made with cutting edge technology. And they're really affordable so you can spread that holiday cheer. And Satisfier's new line of products are Bluetooth enabled and pairs with the Satisfier Connect app so you can control the motor's speed, vibration length, and create custom sequences without ever pressing buttons. The app even lets you take control of your partner's device, allowing you to use the app to play with power dynamics. That's ho ho hot. I like vibration, but I love the feeling of air pulse stimulation on my clitoris. And now I no longer have to choose between one sensation or the other because with Satisfier's dual love, you can have both packed into one beautiful pleasure device. Satisfier really does make some of our favorite pleasure devices. So give the gift that will satisfy all the adults on your list this year because Satisfier is offering our lucky listeners 30% off any Satisfier when you go to Satisfier.com and enter code SHAMELESS30 at checkout. Again, if you're looking for one of our favorite new devices, go to S-A-T-I-S-F-Y-E-R.com and use code SHAMELESS30 for 30% off. All right, back to the interview. I like that you're inviting people to not have to share the full picture, right? So like you said, using the rape fantasy again, if I feel shame about that or I want to freak a partner out, and I have freaked a partner or two out by, with that, by the way. Um, and by the way, and this we're getting this question a little later, the difference between kind of role play and fantasy. Um, it's For me personally, it's not something I actually want to do. Um, it, it's my spank bank material. It's hot. It's what I like to watch in porn. I'm a fucking feminist, by the way, and I still, for some 
reason get off to this since my 10-year-old brain saw Melrose Place, okay? So, um, and I have experienced that sharing with people where they were like, that's not normal. That's weird. You, they, you must want, and, but I'm actually like, I'm not asking you to do this, but I am into power play. I am into being sometimes a dirty little slut that needs to be punished. You know, like that, that is, that's its own thing. But I, I've, I have actually have never had an experience where I've said, can we do this as an actual rape play thing? It's just, and that's just me. And some people might want to, to do that. So my question here is what happens if, there's a fantasy that I have that I want to do and explore and I share that with my lover and they don't want to share that with me. Like, how do we navigate that? Well, I think that there's a couple of options. Maybe they don't want to explore a rape fantasy with you, but maybe they would be open to exploring some other kind of power play with you, right? Or maybe what they would be open to doing is just hearing you talk about it, but maybe not participating. Or maybe what they might be open to doing is throwing in a little bit of dirty talk. Ooh, you really like it, don't you? You're going to take it, right? Just like little pieces that kind of give a nod to your fantasy without having them feel like they're going too far into the uh, pool that is, is too deep for them. Um, you could also um, see if there are uh, tangential fantasies that might work for them. So maybe it might be um, like um, he's forced to have sex with you. Somebody has a gun to his head. Mm. So he doesn't have that whole moral obligation of it. It's just like he has to do it. But, you know, so like, or it could be some kind of stranger experience where you're both drugged and you didn't realize what was happening or, you know, there's like ways of just maybe getting a little bit creative around how do we mitigate the emotional hiccup for the other person. So oftentimes with regards to at least a rape fantasy, the emotional hiccup is I don't want to play with those thoughts or those fears or those fantasies because I don't want to go there. So another piece to it, too, might be creating some sense of permission and safety for them um, and doing some de-shamifying around the ways in which maybe they have had fantasies of being an aggressor or taking advantage of someone else that they have shame around. And so it, it, fantasizing it with you isn't about you being too kinky. It's about them worrying about them being too kinky. And so that might also be a part of it. And I just want to add, as you say some of these things, so for listeners – some of this stuff could be super triggering, right? Like we might be, April's just talking about some step-parent stuff and, and I'm talking about some rape fantasies and there's some things you're talking about being, you know, being drugged and all these things where some people might be listening. They're like, I'm fucking triggered right now. This is really scary for me. You're talking about something that actually happened to me. And, and I, I think that you might be having some thoughts about that too. And I'm just wondering maybe if also for you, Dr. Ellis and Ash could offer our listeners some guidance, but you have something to say about that too. I think this is what, it, because this is a trigger warning thing. I just wanted to bring up because we, of course, anyone in the field of sexuality is all about consensual sex and any, any sex that's consensual can be considered good sex. But when we go down the fantasy route, and especially if it's in someone's brain, you have a lot of avenues for uh, the consent bridge not being able to be crossed because there could be 
animals. There could be a lot of things that a lot of things that trigger, are trigger, trigger. Ne- necrophilia. There <laughs> yeah. could be a lot. I'm just saying this is the, the thing is because we're about we're not saying to go explore those. What I would like to know is when someone is seeking these fantasies or they have these fantasies, uh, w- what are they to do with these? Are, are is it uh, um, talking to a doctor? Because we don't want people to produce porn that has this this behavior because that's where this fucking bullshit starts going down a dark rabbit like hole. Like the non-consensual stuff. The non-consensual yeah. stuff. So yeah. this is like with someone that does, I, which I'm not saying anything's wrong with them, but what's the best avenue to approach that if someone's like, wow, these fantasies are, I know they're not consensual. What the fuck do I do with them? They're in there and I don't know, I don't know what I, I, I can do. It's good. So two-part question. For yeah. our listeners who are triggered right now, please help them and then April's question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> great questions and great points. Um, uh, for those of you who are triggered out there, just take a couple of deep breaths. Your level of upset and activation makes a lot of sense. It's totally warranted. Um, and I hope that we can put a trigger content warning on the podcast so that... Okay, yeah. great. So that you'll Don't know Don't worry, we got advance. this in the intro. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, I think that... Um, oh, it's a big topic. Um, Mm -hmm. if you're feeling activated right now, engage in something that's going to be soothing, something that's going to bring you a sense of regulation for your nervous system. So that might mean taking a walk, snuggling with your pet, taking a long shower or bath, uh, listening to your favorite music, um, wrapping yourself up in a cozy blanket, whatever it is that's going to start to just bring some soothing to your senses. Maybe you need to call a friend, ask for a cuddle if one's available to you. Be gentle with yourself right now. Um, I think that more broadly than that, when we're talking about the world of fantasies, it's absolutely necessary to also talk about shame. Because I think that oftentimes fantasies and shame run parallel to each other. And shame is a fear of rejection, right? That whatever it is that I'm ashamed about or I'm being shamed for, that there's going to be a sense of rejection on the other end of that, which is physically excruciating. And so we want to hide the things that we feel ashamed about. Now, of course, then the antidote to shame is acceptance and belonging, which can oftentimes be communicated with empathy and validation. Hmm. And so... I think something that's really important when we're thinking about exploring our fantasies is that we can really think about the ways in which we have all received shameful messages from maybe our family culture or religious upbringing or our peers, um, media, as well as just the ways in which we've internalized sexism and homophobia and um, all sorts of other kinds of really limiting shame-inducing belief systems. And so I think always working with a practitioner, whether that's a coach or a therapist, can be incredibly helpful because that experience of moving through shame cannot be done on your own. Because we need that acceptance, that belonging, that empathy, and I would say, please find a coach or therapist that has um, that is sex positive, 
um, that if you have fantasies around non-monogamy or kink that is informed around non-monogamy and kink, not all therapists and coaches are. And so making sure that you're working with somebody that's going to be supportive and helping you unpack some of that shame. And then I think the last piece is realizing, you know, to throw back to what we talked about earlier is that there's something empowering about getting to create it in just the right way, just for you, in a way that it's never going to have to happen in real life. And so the more that you can embrace the healing power of that, I think the more that it can help to reduce the shame. And then, of course, when shame gets reduced for you, both because you're doing your own work and hopefully maybe you're working with a practitioner, that will make it also easier than to share it with other people because you have this templating of that going well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's just we. I feel like we we can these things can get shrouded in a lot of negativity, and people will again judge or and and they're ashamed to talk about those things and seeking out help. It's just we. This is shameless sex. It's to improve your sex life, but there's also pieces that can be shrouded in darkness, and and sex can be a dark place for people. And so I just but also hot at the same time. It can be super it's hot, dark and but hot. So sometimes we can't. We can't look away though from from the folks that a lot of times suffered trauma and that's why they bring into fantasy things that that occurred in their lives and so the the tool here from what I'm understanding is to seek someone to sort of help you move through those things so you don't end up doing something that could get you thrown in jail or that you would um, absolutely uh, not not be uh commended for let's say well and that's the so that's the part here when we're talking about like so there's fantasies and then there's role play or there's Mm -hmm. fantasies and there's what i want to actually happen so let's take it to something i'm gonna go with like a middle ground thing so not like full necrophilia or things like that too but like let's go with golden showers why not let's talk about golden showers so in my mind i'm really turned on by golden showers the idea of being peed on or peeing on someone's just really fucking hot i've never done and by the way this is true for me i'm making up a you thing you actually have done that hey, no no well that okay yeah oh, but i'm, I'm not, not the one with the fantasy <laughs> oh, oh, someone, else, okay. someone else had the fantasy and i did try it um and it wasn't really my jam and i didn't shame them i was like, like every shower for me yeah i tried it i was like i tried it once is their thing i was like you know what yeah I, I like that that's your fantasy and and we tried it and it's not really my jam i might be down to do it again like one or two more times it just doesn't really turn me on it's like a little neutral in fact actually kind of turns me off a little bit but like there's but that's me and you get to be you but my question here was more like the tricky pieces of okay when we have something that is the difference between fantasy role play and real life when we have a fantasy and we're unsure do i want this to be real life and also we're also speaking to some heavy stuff around sometimes we have fantasies that do want to be real life that are not consensual Mm. and that's what april was saying like don't get thrown in jail for that shit you know go work work with someone on this um but i so i guess it's a really complicated convoluted question of just these different areas and how they can show up and how we can work with them within ourselves or others Mm -hmm. yes yes so when we're fantasizing it is in our minds, sometimes we might be creating a fantasy together. It could involve some amount of dirty talk. Um, so uh, that could be something that is a way of kind of still having a shared fantasy that's staying in the, in the realm of fantasies. Role play is then when you start to enact it. 
Mm-hmm. I would say that whether or not you're sharing fantasies with a person or you're enacting a role play situation, that consent is absolutely necessary. So if you're going to share a fantasy, I'd love to share a fantasy with you. Are you open to hearing it? If you, at any point you want to stop hearing it, you can let me know in this way, right? Would you like then to role play or to create what a, what a threesome could look like together? Okay, so then we're going to talk about who's doing what to whom and who the sexy third is and we're creating the fantasy together. Now let's say that I want to role play it out. And so then I would then get consent to role play it out. Maybe that might mean using a sex toy as the stand-in for the third person. Or maybe it might mean my partner leaving the room and coming back in and using a different voice. And now I'm pretending that it's a different person. Um, Mm. But again, getting consent for every step of the way. Um, And then maybe at some point we might decide that we want to have a threesome in real life. And then that would involve getting consent with your partner and getting consent with a third person and talking about what things you do and don't want to have happen together. And so I think that, um, you know, if you're unable to consent in the sharing of fantasies, in the creating of role play, or in the enactment of it in real life, then it should just stay in your fantasy mind. And then that's not something that is appropriate to bring somebody else involved in. They need to be able to consent. I think mm-hmm. you just nailed all of the questions that we asked. It's it can be a heavy topic, but as a topic, but it can also be a super hot topic. That's the thing. And I'm glad I I felt comfortable enough with you to ask you that because it's so important. There's so many people in, on this planet. We can't just always shine light on the on the fun fucking oh, things. I would shit. love to every day, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, stuff gets gets it gets dark. And I think you you're such a, a wonderful not not only doctor, but the just the way that you explore folks and are acceptant of what people's desires and fantasies and and just all of the work that you do because you have a multitude of of not only experience but credentials and accredited hours of of what I mean you you can just stand for will you just I mean, tell people what you, yes please will you tell people instead of me giving you clout which I'll give you all the clout all day, I will introduce you but. Tell Talk to folks out there about your offerings. I know you have a, a course, I believe, coming out in January of 2022. How can people find you? How can they work with you and get more Allison, Dr. Allison Ash? Excuse me. <laughs> oh, you are the sweetest. I am so grateful to get to be here and to collaborate with the two of you. It's such good um, cheerleaders. I, I'm just so grateful. Well, the best way to get a hold of me is to go to my website, which is uh, turnon.love, and there you can find out more about my coaching practice. I work with individuals and couples and groups on a huge variety of topics, and you can also get information on all of my pre-recorded content, as well as some of my live workshops. Um, I have How to Eat Pussy Like a Champ upcoming, which I know number is... one. That's the, our number one number episode. Number one episode, <laughs> but, I, 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 but I bet the actual class yes. is even more exciting. Yes. Three hours on this topic. So yeah, you better believe you're going to leave well-versed. And it's great for both givers and receivers alike. So if you have a hard time receiving the kind of pussy pleasure that you want, check out the workshop as well. I think I need to go to that. You get a PhD (laughs) in cunnilingus. That's right. And then in January, I have a two-month long course starting called Sexual and Emotional Intimacy Skills. This is also a class that I teach at Stanford University. 
and it's a wonderful comprehensive class that will give you a wide variety of skills and help you learn how to practice and integrate them to help you be able to cultivate and sustain the kind of emotional and sexual intimacy that you are desiring. Um, so the list of topics are really broad. You can go to my website, turnon.love and find out more about it there. There's a banner right on the top of the page that can take you to more information about that. And that's January 2022, right? January 2022. That's correct. And if you're listening in 2025, Allison always has offerings and will probably forever be working with people. She might be president of the United States. Yeah, she might be president of the United States. And thank God for that. (laughs) I would finally, finally. (laughs) Saving the world one orgasm at a time. (laughs) Hey, that's what I say. Oh, my God. Well, I trademarked it, so both of you owe me money now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Your royalties are in the mail. (laughs) Thank you. April's the ultimate capitalism. (laughs) I love that. I actually I love. get we, you know it, it takes it takes a whole community of people to really elevate these skills and to help create the kind of space where we can both learn them and celebrate each other for learning them because I think for so long it's been shame inducing to even want to learn these things and I think we need to kick that whole outdated way of thinking out the door and celebrate I mean I want on my dating profiles a little badge that shows me that you're doing therapy or that you've taken sex education courses like that is an instant elevator booster like go out there empower and educate yourself because really it's the best way to make yourself more attractive. I think Amy we, we would have, need one about childhood wounding. Have you dealt with so, your childhood well, wounding? Well, no, we have she would this want that joke. Like, like, so, <laughs> so when I was you know, a single person... It, She's like, that it, makes my pussy very wet. If like within the first hour <laughs> they, they would say, my therapist, they'd be like, Tom, And Amy's oh, like... All right, I need to go change my yeah. panties. <laughs> or, or, if they're, or if they're like, Child, my childhood was so hard, blah, blah. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, Yeah, when you right. were dating, you're like, so I went out with this guy and he immediately was like, so my I'm childhood wounding. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> did you sleep with him? Yeah. That sounds like yeah. I, I, that's like way better than like oh you're so hot you're so sexy I was things like mm-hmm. yeah do you have a therapist though yeah. <laughs> yeah or like you don't have to have one now but have you had one in the past and you're gonna yeah. have one soon so come on are you interested in going to therapy with me now even if we're not together <laughs> do you just want to go to therapy <laughs> oh my god all right you're well, the best Allison we love you thank so much you. yes oh, we'll see you again you're so coming great. back oh you'll be that's back that's right soon. you know it I'm always back <laughs> it's consensual of course you're yes. like you're coming back no soon. you will come you back you will be back um <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll consent to non-consent for that. Yeah, <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, okay, good. Well, I'm going to uh, fantasize about drinking wine, which uh, I don't have to fantasize too hard because it's right here. <laughs> and I've been drinking it throughout this beautiful podcast. So if you have any wine fantasies, it's the holidays. And then after that, it's just another Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Tuesday if you're listening to Shameless Sex. So go ahead, check out Martin's It always wine. ends with day. It does. <laughs> Sorry, any, I interrupted If it you. ends with day, then uh, you can go ahead and, and check out Martin's wine. You can go ahead, just sign up for her newsletter. That's all we're asking. Then you get to know about her releases. And then if you want to buy some wine, you can save some money. Buy three or more bottles. Use the code ShamelessX10. You save 10%. If you buy six or more bottles and you use the code ShamelessX15, you save 15%. Yeah. I'm quitting ShamelessX. I'm going to be an auctioneer, y'all. That's right. <laughs> no, please don't no, leave I, us. I'm going to do rapping. We need you. We I need be you. Rapper. All right. We love you all. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to give you one more invitation. This would just take you five seconds. Really, just go to iTunes, search for Shameless Sex. Even if you're subscribing to us, go and give us a review. You can write anything. You can write, somebody today just wrote... I jack off to this podcast, which is fine. But they still we gave us like, five they stars. They gave us five stars. And so we're like, down. And then he just put some, or they put some 
uh, emojis. So you can do whatever you want. We love five stars. We read every single one. All this does is help people find these amazing doctors and experts that we have on our show, like Dr. Allison Al, Alish, Alish and Ash. Al, Allison Ash. Schnecky. <laughs> in the house. So please do that, y'all. It will just take a moment of your time, and we appreciate you, and we read every single one. So until then, thank you for being part of the shameless sex revolution. We'll see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Snakey. Snakey. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.